Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by uh, Brian with a Y. And uh, when Brian is here, that means we are doing a finale wrap-up uh, type show or a comment show, or uh, I dial the wrong number. Um, eliminating the last possibility. Uh, let's <laughs> welcome Brian to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, David, I'm pretty sure this wasn't a butt dial. I think you actually meant to call me. So, yes, here I am. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do not carry my desktop uh, computer in my back pocket. So, um, <laughs> I mean, not I mean, not in the pants I'm wearing now. The other pants. Um, you, you have so, many pairs of pants with uh, with giant burlap-sized pockets, do you? That's absolutely, cool. yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's how I like my pants. Um <laughs> They're all pockets, <laughs> no pant. <laughs> uh, somebody, uh, somebody, go to work on that, please. So um, we are wrapping up an interesting series, a time to kill. It actually was an interesting series. I enjoyed this series. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed listening to other people's ideas. I enjoyed reading the comments. Um, I enjoyed thinking about it. I, I think this was. Um, one of the better series and with only a few exceptions you were actually there during the show uh and so you got a chance to hear the chaos firsthand as it happened and so you i'm sure are brimming uh and uh excited about sharing your thoughts about this since you haven't had a chance to do that yet uh so what I'm going to do first, uh, there, there will be no opening statement. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk for an hour. Um, a, sh a short, compact, clean show. That's possible, yeah, we, right? We, we, we know what you mean when you say that, David. Your uh, reputation precedes you. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm working on it. So uh, I've, I've, uh, I've, clear, I've cleared my dinner plans. You know, I I've, I've, uh, told, my, told my wife to keep the bed cold because I'm not going to be back tonight. We're going to be on this for a while. So uh, just so people know, uh, this is 9 o'clock in the morning for us. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's get in here. Uh Viewers will uh, recognize that there's no video uh, this show because it's just you and I talking. There's uh, so nothing, nothing for you guys to watch. Just, just listen in. So here we go. Uh, I want to start with an overview, which is how we started the series. It was uh, Russell and I in conversation about matters of life and death, and. Um, I really believe, as I believed when, when we started this series, that a lot of the dispute is based around uh, the different ways that we view life and death. And uh, I believe at one point, uh, someone uh, had stated, one of the Christians uh, had stated, that if I was right about um, my view of life and death, then they would be wrong on matters of, say, um, abortion and euthanasia. Um, and I and I think I that is that is correct because if they are right about 
the fundamental fundamentally what life and death is, then I think I would agree with him uh, on the subject. And so the real difference to me is not the specifics of the the individual arguments. It's what you what you think life and death is in the first place. So I, I kind of want to start there. Um, I so I I'm gonna I'm gonna catch a lot of spears uh, on on this show as I have throughout this series, but I'm I'm going to be even more explicit about some awful views that I have. So I want to start there. Well, let, let me let me run to my closet and grab my spears. I want to be the first one to, to chuck some. Oh, you you stuff. you! I expect <laughs> I, I expect the first spear to come from you. Um, at, but at uh, two, Brian. <laughs> Don't worry though. I've got on uh, I've got on my armor and my asbestos my asbestos armor. So throw the spears, light it on fire. I can take it. Um, but I am I am going to take it on the chin. So I do not uh, place any intrinsic value on life. I believe that I said that in the original write-up too. I haven't actually read the write-up since I wrote it. Um, this is a very controversial thing to say, but it becomes a little bit more understandable when I say the following. I do not believe in intrinsic value, period. So it's not just life that I think has no intrinsic value. I don't think that gold has any intrinsic value. I don't think diamonds have any intrinsic value. Um, you know, I don't think that uranium has any intrinsic value. I don't think that this universe has any intrinsic value. So I do not believe in the concept of intrinsic value. I believe that all value is uh, is ascribed by people. And we can come together and agree on certain values as a matter of negotiation. But I don't believe that anything in and of itself has value. So let me just start there. Um, Brian, you may throw the first spear. <laughs> um, you'll you'll be surprised, maybe, but I think, on a certain level, I think you are one hundred percent right. Because if you think about it, you know, value. How can you have value without a valuer? So I think, in on a certain level, there is no such thing as intrinsic value because without a valuer, then you cannot have value. You know, think about how much value uh, the Hope Diamond would have on a deserted island with no people, right? I mean, how completely useless is the Hope Diamond on a deserted island with no people? Now put a person on that deserted island and tell me what he would value more, the Hope Diamond or a case of bottled water. And I, I think you start to see the point of, of, of how obviously the context, the relationships, the circumstances, and the person involved is what's driving the value. Now, where I would disagree is I think there is a level where there is intrinsic versus extrinsic value. So for instance, think about um, currency, uh, the US dollar. 
you know, the only reason the U.S. dollar has value is because of this large social agreement about what it is, what it's backed by, um, and uh, what's what it's enforced by. And that can all change, you know, overnight. You know, we used to be on the gold standard, and then we just got off of the gold standard. So gold went from having tons of value to not having tons of value. Uh, but if you think about something like a baseball bat, that has value to playing baseball. And no matter what I think or you think or anybody else thinks, that baseball bat's going to have the same value to playing baseball, regardless about what anyone's thinking or doing or thinking about it. So I think there is a level where there, some of the value is captured in the thing, regardless of what people are thinking about it or valuing in that way. But on the higher level, as you originally said, I would 100% agree with you. Okay. Um, I want to argue with that. Uh, you didn't leave me, you didn't, you didn't leave me a lot to argue with, but I, yeah. So the baseball bat has value, um, in baseball, but which, which came first, um, the value or the valuer, I mean the, the valued or the valuer, well, it has to be the valuer, uh, because baseball was a sport and they realized, you know what, uh, we need to use a thing to, to play this game. So they fashion uh, a baseball bat and and it had value for that purpose but it it did it doesn't have value uh when it's not being used for anything you know so let's say um monkeys find a baseball bat um the baseball bat has no value as a baseball bat but it's still a nice strong sturdy stick and I bet that monkeys could could use that for something. Uh, now, would they value that baseball bat higher than a banana? Probably not. Uh, so we can we can say that the baseball bat has value in that context, but it's not the same value as it has for a human. And you know, if we are using the baseball bat, say, as a you know a weapon in our house to to protect ourselves, that's still not the same value as it has on a on a baseball diamond so at no point does the baseball bat just hold a certain value it's not like a, a horcrux are, are you a harry potter person yes i i enjoy harry potter okay so you you know what i mean when i talk about a horcrux yes. um so a horcrux has value because it's keeping a person uh, some part of a person's life force inside of it 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 always has that whether or not there's someone who appreciates that or not but a baseball bat is not a horcrux um and so it's it's just a stick and we can use that stick in different ways and in different contexts it has different amounts of value and so if it can have more value in one context and less value in another then i think we can say that value is never intrinsic it's, it's just whatever value the person who happens to have it thinks that it has. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. And the point is the different levels, like I talked about. There are properties of the baseball bat that exist irrespective of your opinion of it and your use of it. The reason the monkeys would value the bat is because of what a bat is, how long it is, how strong it is, what its shape is. That's got nothing to do with the monkey's opinion or use thereof or human's opinion of the bat or use thereof. 
So think about the Horcrux example. One of the Horcruxes was Tom Riddle's diary. So the Horcrux has value because like you said, it's capturing Voldemort's life essence. But the Tom Riddle's diary, irrespective of Voldemort and what he's using it for, has intrinsic properties of paper and a binding and the ability to accept ink so it can be used for writing. And that, that exists irrespective of whether Voldemort or Tom Riddle or you or I are using the, uh, the diary. Okay, uh, yeah, so there might be some, um, some semantic differences here because yeah. uh, you, you have switched to the word properties, which I would agree, there are intrinsic properties. Uh, everything has intrinsic properties, uh, but properties aren't value. Uh, they're just properties. Right. What, and, and, and the way I'm using value there is those properties allow for the potential to be used in a certain way. Yes. A, a, base, a baseball bat and a feather duster do not have the same properties. Therefore, they would have different value to someone who is interested in playing baseball or smacking someone across the head. Right, right. So we, we agree that the properties are what they are. And then the value is uh, laid on top of the properties by the person who uses the thing. Yes. Okay. So it, what I, what I said at the beginning, and I'll double down on here, it sounds monstrous because humans don't talk this way. And we often use weasel words around things like this. And I'm, I'm just, I'm too old to give a damn about weasel words. <laughs> um, and I, I think weasel words confuse the issue. And when you need to say something that society thinks is monstrous, uh, you either don't talk about the thing or you take the social pen penalty uh, and be clear about what you mean. So I think there's a lot of lack of clarity around this. Life has no intrinsic value. As it, as if to say whatever you define as life, these properties that we think of as life, it is worth, you know, it is equivalent to something. I mean, I don't even know how to talk about value without talking about equivalence. Um, you know, a billion dollars. Uh, life has life has no such value. It is a set of properties. And they're pretty important properties to us because without life, we wouldn't be here. And if we want it to be here, then we've got to have life. And so we might say subjectively, it's the most valuable thing we have, but that's not intrinsic value. That's, that's imputed value. So life has lots of imputed value, almost an immeasurable amount but it has no intrinsic value. And to go back to, to what you said, one of the first things you said, you can't have value without a valuer. So the Christians believe that life has a valuer and that it, that person is not us. I mean, we do have a, we, we give it some value, but we're not the one that gives the intrinsic value. And so for them, God is the intrinsic valuer that, that gives it value. And I would just say that as an atheist, if, if you don't believe in God, 
or some kind of intrinsic valuer, then you also do not believe that life has intrinsic value, whether you feel comfortable saying that out loud or not. Or not. Yes, yes, I would, I would agree 100%. Now, I don't think all Christians would reason that way, but they absolutely use intrinsic value as a way to get out of your uh, subjective human-only paradigm. But then they change intrinsic value to valued by the most important entity in the in the universe and that's the that's the sleight of hand that's the switch um and you're right if that valuer doesn't exist then the value they're talking about doesn't exist so if you know it becomes almost a circular argument right like the reason god exists is because there's value so if there's value there must be a valuer and now you've got your god and then why should you value creation well because the most important entity in the universe values it so it becomes circular uh, and i and i don't see them uh getting out of that um, without that little semantic equivocation there. Right. So setting the theology aside as, as a, and I will go ahead and for the sake of convention, call myself a humanist. Although anyone who's heard me talk knows I'm a bad humanist actually. And I don't, I don't actually fit that label (laughs) completely, but it's, it's close (laughs) enough for, for this. So as, as a humanist, I place a certain, uh, I impute a certain amount of value to life in general, but it's a, even even my subjective value for life in general, the property that we think of as life, um, is not that high. It, it really it really isn't. Now, the value that I place on my particular life is really high. <laughs> you know, um, so you can you can say, well, I'm a hypocrite for, for for thinking that my life is more important than life in general. And that's fine if you want to say that, but that's that's how I cash it out. My life is one of the most important things in the universe to me. I don't know if it's the most important, but it's one of the most important things in the universe to me. Uh, however, the the quality, the the idea of life itself, the properties of life itself, when not related to me, uh, I don't value that much. Um, I can I can unpack that, but I I will allow you to throw another spear. <laughs> no, I, like I like I said, I think I think you're barking up the right tree here because we're trying to set down the groundwork for how to you know uh, litigate these issues of life and death. Um, and yes, I would agree that context matters, circumstances matter, relationships matter. The value of a life is not some uh, line item in a ledger. All of these other details and context matter. So I would agree with you that that life in and of itself doesn't matter, but it matters in and of in in, in how it relates to the rest of what's going on, both to yourself and to other people and other things. Yes. Okay. You actually said that better than I did. Um, so that's, that's, that's great. I think I'm going to start having you on shows and then I will, I will say a thing for three minutes and then I'll have you, uh, interpret it. <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'll be your, uh, your Cyrano de Bergerac. I, I forget which way he goes. Is he the speaker or the, or the, or the pretty face? I forget. Which yeah. Way. I'm thinking about the, um, uh, Sanford and son and, uh, <laughs> there's the white cop and the black cop and, um, the white cop would say something and then the 
black then Sanford would look at him funny and the black cop would translate. <laughs> so, anything where anything where Red Fox is involved, I am all in. So let's let's yeah. do this. Um a, a, a truly hideous man who I really enjoyed. <laughs> so oh, he, was, he, he was hysterical, absolutely hysterical. Yeah. Um, okay, so then let me let me take that uh, a step further. Uh, we're going to get some spears out of you yet. I have them um, here. My, I'm I'm, I'm going to use them. I'm not being shy. I promise. My value. Um, he, here's an example of me valuing my life more than the concept of life. So a, a leaf is alive. That that is a part of our living biosphere. Um, a leaf is a has a, a sort of life, uh, as does the plant or the tree. Um, these, uh, these things are of a category of life. I step on leaves all the time. I will happily uh, find uh, leaves living or dead if I am uh, in need of a fire. <laughs> I will use it as kindling uh, <laughs> to make my life better. Uh, I, I have zero concern about whether I am killing a life because that life is not terribly important to me. I don't. I don't value it in the same way. Now, I. I recognize that if we can go through life, not killing things that have life, that seems like a a nice idea. But that's just not how humans are made. Um, in fact, if if we look at evolution, things that are alive and on a higher taxonomical order tend to live off of things uh, on a lower tax taxonomical order. And I'm not really interested in whether one says that is moral or not moral. It is simply natural and it is the type of creature that we are. Uh, so spare me uh, your crocodile tears for, um, you know, the rainforests. I love the rainforests. I've camped in a rainforest, but if it means that I get to live longer and feed my family, I'll chop down every rainforest myself uh, because I don't care about that life as much. Now that takes us to uh, uh, the the next level down this road to hell, which is uh, so yes, of course, plants are life, but they're not sentient life. Okay, so we can we can move to sentient life, um, or life that at least has more biological levels. And I honestly can't tell you where sentience begins in in the animal kingdom. So what is and what isn't sentient? I don't know. So for instance, insects, uh, mosquitoes. I will kill them on sight. I will not. I will not shoo them away and escort them out the door. I will smash them. I will poison them. I will do anything I can to get them out of my house and out of my life. Uh, I understand that they are alive. I don't know if they're sentient, and I don't give a damn 
they gave up <laughs> they gave up any right to whatever life they have when they moved into my house <laughs> screw them <laughs> so not only do i not lose sleep murdering these things i sleep better because they're not there um so uh you know that's a type of life that you can value and I'm sure it has value. And if there's a, a world where I as a human can live comfortably without killing insects, I would do that. But there isn't such a world as far as I'm concerned. And so they be dead. Um, so we move up the scale some more. Well, what about something that we know is sentient? Let's just go with a, a monkey, uh, a chimpanzee. I mean, they're like one chromosome uh, difference from being Andrew. Um, so, <laughs> I think I think Andrew's in the chat, so I think that was a very. I'm counting. Uh, per I'm counting place. on it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. So, um, do uh, how how much do I care about chimpanzees uh, as as life forms versus say me? Well, it's still not particularly close. I know that we're very close on the evolutionary scale, but where we are on the evolutionary scale does not affect how I value it. I don't value the evolutionary scale. Um, I value my life, though, and I do not want a, a creature that can experience the world almost the same as I can. I, I don't want them to suffer at all. But I must, I must say that if it comes down to we know that we can cure cancer and all we have to do is uh use one million chimpanzees as as lab experience experiments if we know that um yeah i'll i'll help them round up the chimps myself uh because i value not only my life but other humans lives above the lives of chimpanzees and they are sentient creatures uh, so before I take the next step, which is more horrible, I will, I will see if you have a spear for that. Let's, let's see. Um, no, not, not a large spear. Uh, when you were talking about the insects though, that reminded me, are you, are you familiar with the, uh, the religion of Jainism? Yeah, a little bit. Yes. So, so you know, their basic tenet is, you know, all life is valuable, valuable. Right. And you Did you should... know that there were fundamentalist Jainists, uh, I'm, that, I... that kill? <laughs> I, I didn't know that, but uh, yes. <laughs> as, as I as I remember learning about them in college, uh, we uh, uh, what I think what they do is they wear masks so that they won't inhale bugs. I mean, clearly they were ahead of the curve when it came to COVID, right? But they wear these masks so that you don't inhale the bugs. And then when they walk, they carry this little brush with them so they can sweep the ground in front of them to avoid from having to step on an ant inadvertently or something like that. So I, I, I just remember when I was in college thinking how absolutely absurd that was, but I'm pretty sure I couldn't have articulated why it was absurd very well when I was that age. Uh, and, it's, and it's like you're saying, it's all related to the context. It's all related to other details about these life forms that make the discussion of what's valuable and what's not important and what we can and should do relating to other life makes it important. You know, I, I would not go out of my way to shoot a chimpanzee between the eyes. But if I had to run into a burning building and it was a choice between any human and a chimpanzee, I wouldn't think twice about grabbing the human being. 
Now, some of that might be because of my particular biological evolution that there are things um, about you know how my brain works and my psychology works and, and what what I would want to do that caused that to happen. But if you made me think about it, I would absolutely grab, if I could only grab one thing, I would grab what was more valuable. And to me, that would be another human being. You know, call me a you know a, a, an anti-chimpanzeist. You know, I'm sure on the on the message boards for the chimpanzee version of skeptics and seekers, they're calling you and I moral monsters. But you know, at the end of the day, there are some things where you have a bad and a worse choice, and you've got to make you know the better of the two. And and that to me is one of those examples. Uh, and I think your example about curing cancer by wiping out all the chimpanzees. Um, I think that, you know, it's almost like the trolley problem. It's, it's actually a pretty difficult thing to think through uh, intellectually, but off the cuff, I agree with you hundred percent, you know, it's cure cancer, get rid of the chimps. Uh, but I would imagine there is a deeper um, conversation that needs to be had there because you could cure cancer, but if you wipe out all the chimps and the chimps, um, you know, have a certain protein in their pancreas, that's going to cure the next uh, big disease for humanity that we're now going to get now that cancer has gone and we're just going to be wiped out 50 years later. Then if we knew that, then the calculus changes. So, of course, you have to take the big picture in mind and you shouldn't do these things blindly. Right. Well, it, with your uh, last example, I would actually say the calculus doesn't change uh, because the calculus is always what what to do in the best interest of human life. So if, if we spare the chimpanzee, we're not doing it for the chimpanzee's life. We're doing it for ours. Uh, and if we wipe out the chimpanzees, we're, we're doing it for our lives. And so the calculus is actually the same. You're just adding uh, different variables. Right. But I, I know what you're saying. But, but now take your example and say you could, you could cure. Would you wipe out a million chimpanzees to, you know, to, for a 50% chance of curing one human of cancer? Right. I, I would I would imagine that takes a little different thought. Yeah, that is that is different. And so uh, let me let me just move on to the yep. highest level of where my monstrosity goes. Do dolphins. <laughs> so. You're not going to you're not going to go after dolphins because those, those are those are my, my boys right there. Dolphins are terrible. They are <laughs> monsters. They <laughs> they are some of the worst monsters the universe has ever created now um, now i'm going to get my spears you better watch out i'm so, going to get my spears but no i'm skipping past uh dolphins yeah, yeah. i'm going straight to humans uh because humans are even bigger monsters terrible, um terrible. so life so you might say well i i can ride with some of that up to this point but few people will ride with me besides uh peter singer um I don't consider all human life to be the same. Uh, so in the same way that I don't consider uh, a chimpanzee and a groundhog the same, I, I value the chimpanzee higher almost every time. Uh, I don't consider all humans the same. Uh, so we like to say uh, all humans are created equal. This is an extremely religious statement. And it's it's part of the religious baggage that we just have to deal with. Uh, because humans are not created. So there's there is no reason to believe that they are equal. 
uh, via some brand of mystical creation. Uh, and so if you want to say, well, humans are equal, then I, then I have to challenge you equal on what, on what level equal in what sense. Um, so the way I measure, uh, human value, and this is just me and it's not the most thought out, um, idea I have. So there's, there's plenty of room to push back against it. But for me, human value is tied up in uh, human experience. It's tied up in our ability to experience the universe. It's tied up in our inputs and outputs. And if a human has no inputs and outputs, then they do not have the same value to me as a human that does have inputs and outputs. So let me let me unpack that a little bit. Um, a person who has use of all of their senses, they can hear, see, smell, taste, uh, touch, they have a full range of all of these experiences compared to a human that cannot see, cannot hear, cannot feel anything hot nor cold or any situation, uh, uh, anything, uh, has no, uh, uh, sense of, em uh, emotion. Uh, so they're sociopathic and that they have no, no view of, you know, ha happy versus sad. Um, they can't smell, they can't taste. Uh, they are just technically alive because their heart is beating. Which human has more value to me? You see, we feel pretty comfortable talking about the value of a chimpanzee, but we get queasy uh, applying that to humanity because it is so drilled into us that there is some kind of mystical value in human life that makes it different. And it makes it hard for us to talk about value in human lives. But I'm just going to put my flag in the ground here and say that a human that has no experience of life as, as we understand life may be human and they may even on some level be alive, but they are, they have no value compared to a person who is, uh, who is able to fully experience, uh, this reality. Uh, you may now throw your spear. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think on the level you're talking about, I 100% agree. And why people are going to get all up in arms and want to throw spears at both of us is because they're looking at it as, through the lens of society and the legal system and rights. And I think all those things are important. And it's the reason why we, as social creatures, had to develop those things so that we could rise above cavemen hitting each other over the head with clubs you know the, the, they they the, the declaration of independence says that you know humans are, are are endowed with inalienable rights you know there's there's no such thing as an inalienable right all rights exist to the extent that they're uh, codified and enforced right you know get, tell me a right that you have that if it can't be usurped by the guy sitting next to you is worth a damn so you know i as i understand it you know the the early you know colonial americans were using you know they were you know deists and believed in god and believed in these things earnestly 
But what they were doing is they were trying to invoke a higher power than the King of England so that they could justify why they were splitting off. It was a political strategy. You know, they, they didn't show their work. They assumed that the people on the other side of the ocean believed the same thing about God. So they were just going over the king's head so that they could get what they wanted. You know, I think where we sit now and what we understand about um, uh, the world and science uh, and biology and, and the sociality of humans, you know, we understand that uh, these rights are entirely granted by other humans, right? My, my right to, to you know, unlawful seek and search, uh, search and seizure only exists to the extent that the, that the policeman who lives in my neighborhood doesn't kick my door down and do it. So, so the point is, is I think we created these all humans are, are equal and it was a good thing we did because if we didn't, the way you're talking about the value of humans would rule the day and there'd probably be half as many of us around and we'd be living in absolute chaos. Okay, I I actually agree uh, with that. So um, the so there is there is a a difference here that's worth pointing out, which is intrinsic value and rights, uh, human rights. I don't necessarily believe that those two things uh, uh, track equally. So if even for a person without as much human potentiality they they still get equal rights under the law um so that said uh before we move on to the next uh piece here it's just important to say that even equal even equal rights is kind of an illusion it's it's a convenient fiction that we tell ourselves so that we can sound magnanimous so that we can seem righteous to ourselves but uh, honestly there there are no equal rights either and it does while it's not a one-to-one -one ratio it, it does track a little bit with um human value um and one's ability to speak into the world and uh, and appreciate uh, the world around them. So an example of this would be children. There are all kinds of rights that children do not have that adults have. Well, why, why do we limit the rights of children? They're fully human, are they not? Well, of, of course they're fully human, but they don't have all of the same rights as uh, more mature humans have. And we, we do this to protect them from themselves um, because we, we recognize that they do not, we, do, we do not grant them full agency over themselves. And someone has to take, take over that agency uh, that they are too young to have. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's not exactly equal rights then if your parents can drink a beer and you can't. But, but you know, we, we like to think in terms of equality. And I just, I think that that is part of the problem. It's a, it's a very powerful um, rhetorical device that keeps us thinking clearly about 
some of these things. We, life is not equal from one person to another. Life is not fair. And even our best effort to make life equal by passing uh, laws that speak to our ideas of human rights are, are not equal either. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to push it forward, but I, I think that we've covered enough of the, uh, the theology philosophy of what life is. I will just add one more small thing. Uh, I am not a substance dualist. And I think this is another point where uh, Christians and non-Christians just have trouble talking about these these bigger issues of life and death. Um, I do not believe that the human body is a container for me, for my soul, that, that there's some part of me that fits into the body. Um, I believe that the body is me. The body is equal to me. And if you if you take away the body or you stop the body from functioning, uh, then you you have killed me. And if you have a belief that there is life that is um, separate and apart from the body in some way, you're going to have you're going to have some different thoughts about some of the things that we're going to be bringing up next. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you the last word on, on this section. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the concept of a soul or the idea that, you know, of a dualism where there's the physical and, the, you know, some other substance or what have you. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be an ongoing sticking point. Um, and, you know, I, all I can say is all I've been saying about this forever is great. You're asserting that a soul exists. Prove it. Where is it? Show me. And if you can't show it to me in the same way you can't show me the wind, well, then show me at least on par with, you know, we know the wind exists. So show me, show me the soul in the same way that the wind exists. You know, it's something, it's, it's basically a do a act machina, right? It's, it's something that's dropped in. As a, as a way of, of engineering uh, coherence with the idea that, you know, this world is only temporary, you know, our bodies are trucks that we're driving around in, uh, and there's some afterlife where the ethereal part of ourselves will end up and live in, etern in eternal harmony uh, with, uh, with the creator of the universe. You know, great, great story, but I don't think it's real, you know, so if, if it's real, I want to know about it. So why don't you step up and show me how it's real, show me where it is, what it is, and all these things. So. I agree. If we if we can't get past that, then these conversations uh, are going to be you know, impassable. Okay, so let's um, let's move to the next uh, segment here and see if we can't talk a little bit about the Christian argument. Um, what what do the Christians say? How well have we been listening? You know, it's not just listening to what they say on the podcast; it's reading the boards uh, because there are more Christians on the boards. Uh, then that come on the, the podcast. It's also, you know, our, our reading of other discussion boards and listening to lectures in our lifetime of experience of Christians talking about this stuff. So I, I want to, before I, before I um, try to dismantle the Christian argument, I just want to first see if we can state it well and understand it. And what the audience may not realize is that I spend an awful lot of time during these series trying to really understand what the Christian is telling me 
so that in these wrap-up shows, I can I can summarize their position accurately. And I don't want to just summarize it accurately. Where I think their argument is weak, I want to strengthen it uh, or, or steel man it uh, so that we can argue against the best argument that they could be making. Because sometimes, you know, both sides in the heat of the moment, we don't actually make the best argument. Um, so I want to I want to account for that too. So starting with abortion, um, I, I want to be charitable. Um, from, from my understanding of of the Christian argument, and you see, part of what makes this difficult is I can think of a specific Christian, and their argument would be different from another specific Christian. And so I'm trying to kind of put together an amalgam, is that what you would call it, of all these things? Well done, yes. With, yeah, a, a singular, cohesive argument that we can talk about. So abortion is almost always an evil thing because it is murdering a... Uh, living fully human being and a person uh, is endowed with the right to have their life protected from the moment of conception. And so to do anything that would um, end that life or that process would be akin to murder and that's why it's wrong. So that's that's the best I can do in summarizing what the, what the Christian is saying. How how are you hearing the Christian argument? I think that I think that was a pretty good snapshot. Yes. So you know, uh, there's a couple other things maybe that come into play. Uh, one, uh, obviously, you know, if if, a, if a, a zygote forms, that will you know unfettered develop into an eventual human being. That that that's obviously God's will. So what you're doing is you're taking the bat out of God's hands and he wants this thing to go forward and you're stopping it from happening. And you don't have the right to do that, not only because you're not the guy in charge, i.e. God, but you also don't have the same information he has. You don't know the grander picture. So you're basically taking a permanent step, which is preventing this life from coming into the world. Um, and you're doing that uh, you know, basically recklessly because you don't have access to all the information, nor do you have the right to do that. Right. Okay. I think that's important nuance. Um, allow me to digress just a, just a minute. In your, your understanding of the Christian argument, could it have been possible that uh, Mary could have aborted Jesus? Or that she could have been assaulted by highwaymen uh, who damaged her in such a way that Jesus would have been a miscarriage? Is, is any of that possible or do you believe that god was protecting the jesus egg from all of that um so to the extent that specific jesus you know the human vessel that was jesus needed to be born then yes god would have been protecting it from every step of the way he would have protected both the sperm and the egg Actually, there was no sperm, right? This was, but I mean, it's well, not it's, explicitly. It's, it's Holy Spirit sperm. I mean, it's. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm trying to my best to steal man here, so I don't want to. Some, some interacted uh, with that egg. <laughs> I'm just right. saying. 
<laughs> but um, uh, so yes, but where I would, you know, this would be a deeper theology that I'm not sure it matters. But the point is, is could Jesus have been, you know, embodied into any old combination of sperm and egg that was in Mary? You know, could, could it have been in, in, in Mary Sue down the street? Whoops, wrong Mary. You know, we put Jesus in the wrong Mary, right? I mean, as I understand it, the, the divine part of Jesus is the important part. You know, could Jesus have been, you know, uh, Philip you know, living, living down the street? And that's who became the, uh, the savior of the world. Um, so to the extent that that particular, you know, earthly physical Jesus needed to be the vessel, which again is over my pay grade, I don't know whether that's true then yes, God would have protected it the entire way. Yeah. And I, I would just say, um, I do think that the, the physical vessel of Jesus, that particular Jesus was important to the theology because otherwise, what's the point of having, um, uh, the, um, you know, what do you call them? All the begats, the, <laughs> like, oh, the, be the, no, 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 not the Beatitudes. The the uh the birth the the birth records. Uh, this person begat this person begat this person begat this person. Oh, the the, the, uh, the, the genealogy. Yeah, the genealogy. The the genealogies were important, and it was important that Jesus came from a different uh, from a certain line, and I think it was important that he came from uh, exactly the place where he did. So I I don't think that the the theology works well if you could say well he could have been born into anyone at any time um right but 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 i think and again this is just me and i'm sure others the genealogy is what was created by humans to try to justify why this particular person was special you know i don't think god if the, i mean are you trying to tell me that god could not have made jesus be born of you know a goat herder that lived in another town that doesn't doesn't seem to make sense to me for an omnipotent being that he couldn't have sent his son into the world in any old place, any old person at any old time. Well, right. So it would be interesting to see what Christians have to say about it. I did mention this is a digression, but I, if yeah. I were still in the church, I would say, no, it was actually very important that this is the story that was told and that this right. Mary and Joseph were the people uh, to bear uh, Jesus and that this was a part of the plan. And the reason I the reason I ask that is because if God protected the Jesus egg uh, because it was important to him, why doesn't he protect uh, every egg uh, that's important? So he has allowed some important people to be born. Uh, that you know, and they weren't aborted or miscarried, or abused in such a way as a child that they couldn't uh, function. It seems like those people received a special measure of protection that God doesn't give to everybody, and so it seems problematic uh, to make the argument that we are thwarting God's will by aborting a child. If God has a will for a particular egg, it's going to happen. You can't thwart it. You know, you couldn't have killed Jesus if you wanted to before the cross. You couldn't have killed Peter. You couldn't have aborted James or John. It, it, it's simply not possible that that could have happened. Um, and so God seems to have a, a way of protecting the, the 
egg sperm combinations he wants uh, and allowing the others to die. But the, the idea that we can somehow thwart God's will by aborting a child seems to be theologically um, dangerous. And I don't, I don't think that I would have said that you could. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Calvinist. I wasn't a Calvinist. But I also believe that God had a sovereign will. If God has a sovereign will, you can't you can't thwart it by aborting a kid. You you couldn't abort Judas. It was God's sovereign will that Judas Jesus was born and did what he did. You couldn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to give Judas. I'm going to go back in time and give Jesus a, a hug because what he really needed was more hugs. Well, you can't do that because <laughs> Jesus wanted God wanted Judas to be exactly the kind of guy he was. Uh, and so, if that's the case, then abortion does not thwart God's will at all. Because it can't be thwarted that way. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think this is a really damning criticism of, of the theology. Uh, because, But you know, for the point of this discussion, abortion is no special, right? If I, if I murder a human being, same thing applies, right? It was obviously God's sovereign will that that human being got murdered. If I go on a rape and killing spree, it was obviously God's will for that to happen or else it wouldn't have happened. Right. I mean, the, the only way you can know God's will is by having it, having, having it, having happened already. There's, there's no way to know what God's will is in the future. Cause we can't see it. We know that everything happened in the past was God's will. So, you know, to me, then abortion is no more different than any other human activity, because if it's God's will, it'll happen. And if it's not, it's not. Um, and, you know, obviously, uh, from the abortion perspective, you know, in the United States alone, I believe there are 500,000 miscarriages every year. So, you know, God's obviously not troubled by, you know, zygotes not making it to full term and being born. So you're, you're going to have to tell me that abortion as the, you know, evil, bad thing to do is something different than preventing um, a zygote from being born. Right. Now, the other part of the Christian argument on this, and I will move on to the other topics, but this was a this yeah. was a, a big, a big topic here. Um, the other part of the Christian argument that I, I simply couldn't get around and I couldn't, couldn't steal man <laughs> uh, as hard <laughs> as, as I tried, um, is the idea that God is fundamentally against abortion, because this is, this is an image bearer of God uh, at any stage, you know, from, from the first moment uh, of conception, this, this person is ensouled and it bears God's image and therefore it is precious and should live. This, this sounds like the kind of thing that a preacher would say in a sermon uh, or that someone would shorten and put on a bumper sticker, <clears throat> but it doesn't sound like anything that's talking about the God of the Bible because um, let alone the, the, the many biblical examples that I could bring up, uh, we have miscarriages. <clears throat> a miscarriage is just a natural abortion. Uh, nobody has to do anything to make it happen. It's a part of the way the body works. The, the body works in such a way that uh, most, uh, well, I wouldn't say most, but uh, many much of the the eggs that are fertilized in in a woman uh, die. <clears throat> if you're going to say that they're fully human and alive, they die. They are they're killed by the body. 
this is what I would call a an abortion by God. <coughs> Excuse me, got the cough going. Um, this godly abortion is simply how the body works. That's why it's a godly abortion. If God made us, if God designed us this way, then he designed us to kill a lot of uh, image bearers. Uh, if, if, if this was in fact such a terrible thing, there's no way that God would allow the body to do it naturally. Yes. Yeah. I, I, the image of God thing to me is no different than um, just saying that God wants something to be so right. I mean, I've never been given any sort of real description of what it means to have been made in the image of God. You know, how are, you know, the, the best I can come up with is that we have, you know, higher level reasoning capacities, but you know, that's based on our bigger brains and, and how we, uh, you know, uh, got here through evolution. Uh, so, you know, if the image of God is that, then, you know, that can be captured under an entirely naturalistic paradigm. Um, if it's something different, then again, you know, God willed for a certain wildebeest to be on the savannah at this moment in time. You know, how is that? So how am I as a human with the image of God any different than that will that God has? Right. But the image of God is just a red herring anyway, because yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. God, uh, God kills babies by the billions <laughs> with miscarriage. <laughs> so right. they all have his, you know, it's, they all have the image of God, <laughs> right? right. Um, when God ordered uh, all of the firstborn in Egypt to be killed, every one of them had the image of God in them, right? Absolutely. When, when but... God ordered the world to be flooded and all the little babies killed, they all had the image of God in them, right? I mean, that's never even once stopped God from um, <clears throat> from from um, killing a child. Uh, the child that da that David bore uh, through Bathsheba uh, was killed <laughs> as a punishment. Uh, that child had the image of God, uh, completely innocent. I know that's is post-abortion, but that just that's worse. Uh, in in my opinion, um, there there are no Hebrew words that you can play with to make that not God just straight up ganking a kid. Um, that child had the image of God. So th this whole idea of you know we shouldn't we shouldn't do it <clears throat> because this is an image bearing person of God just doesn't make sense of anything that I read in the Bible. Yeah, and it, it doesn't logically follow either, right? Because like, as you just said, there's a lot of other um, people that bear the image of God that were either ordered to be killed by God, killed by God directly, or God was happy to, to have die of the nature that, uh, of the way that they did. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's, image of God is adding nothing to this conversation. It does not make abortion special over other kinds of killing. It's just another, it points to me, the, it point, for me, it points to the fact that the issue is, is God can kill whomever he wants, whenever he wants. Right. You and know, that's and, Teddy's, and, and, that is Teddy's explicit position, by the way. So right. that she, she believes that, look, when God does it, that's God. You, do, you don't even get a, 
you don't have the right to even talk about it. <laughs> right. uh, God, God did it, and that has nothing to do with when you do it. When you do it, it's bad. When God does it, it's okay. But if the reason you're saying it's bad is because uh, we're we're killing an innocent person with, that bears the image of God, then you can't turn around and say it's okay for God to do that. Though uh, exactly. you've got to you've got to have a different reason for it than that. And uh, and this this reminds me of your early conversation with uh, David Russell. Uh, if you notice, when he got to the topic of God killing people, he started calling it, what, transferring them to another plane? Because yes. he, he knew how bad it sounded that God was killing all these people or ordering these people killed. So he just had to change the semantics around what God, well, God's not killing people. You know, he's transferring them to another plane, right? But the, uh, you know, the pregnant women of the Amalekites that were ordered to have the swords drawn through their bellies, you know... Yeah, maybe they did transfer to another plane, but they still got a goddamn sword put through their stomach to kill both them and their baby in the most horrific way possible. You know, so let's let's not sugarcoat this, right? I mean, you you may think that God has more rights than us because of his standing in the universe, but you know, if I if I do it on if I jam a sword into someone on God's orders or on my own orders, the same things happen to the other person. So uh there's also the the question that keeps coming up how how do you even know when god does it versus when nature does it and i would <clears throat> i would add something else to that list how do you know when god does it versus when uh just a mother does it because god works through people and it might be that god does want a particular baby to die uh and so maybe he works through abortion to to kill some maybe he works through uh uh miscarriage to kill others but if a, if a woman feels particularly moved to abort her child how can we how can we say for sure that that's that's not god that that's not god's will for that because we know that it's god's will that a lot of kids be killed because because he does it himself and sometimes he has humans do it same as war Sometimes God wants humans to go to war and bleed and die, and sometimes he will destroy the enemy uh, miraculously. But it's all God doing it. Right, because God, God's will be done. You know, and, and the only way you know his will was done is that it already happened. So, they, so, so that's, that's, that's their get-out-of-jail-free card, right? They tell you don't abort in the future because they don't know what God's will is. Once the baby is aborted, then to me, it would make sense to celebrate it. God's will be done. The baby was aborted. That's exactly what God wanted. We should celebrate that. Yep. Um, I think it's probably, I, I do want to leave this issue. I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's probably fair to bring up uh, Darren's point uh, here since you, you're so close to it anyway. Yeah. Which is, um, uh, put simply, if the goal is to get as many people to heaven as possible. Uh, and if these um, unborn humans go straight to heaven, then the human really, the one doing the abortion, they, they might have a stain on their soul, but they haven't done any harm to the baby because all they've done is relocate the baby from their wound to the uh, bosom of Jesus. That that seems to be an upgrade. <laughs> that's um, that's an upgrade for them. Once again, you might have to pay a penalty for it, um, but we shouldn't 
shed tears for the baby that went straight to heaven. Because we, we, we can kind of figure that if they, if they stay here on earth, they've got whatever, whatever you think the ratio is of people that goes uh, to heaven versus go, those that go to hell, 90, 90% hell, 10% heaven, um, 70% heaven, 30% right. It's, it's, it's a smaller number for heaven than hell. And so you, you actually saved them from uh, living out a life where the most likely possibility is that they would end up in hell. So for them, you haven't done any harm. Once again, staying on your soul, deal with that. But why are we, why are we worried about the baby that was sent to God? I, I yeah, think Derek's I, point is is well taken. There's not a lot to say about it, but it's it's. <clears throat> I, I used to make this point early on when I uh, was debating about abortion, and Christians didn't really take it up, <laughs> and they didn't take it up <laughs> for Derek either. So. <laughs> If, uh, if you don't want to transition, we won't, but I, I think that's a fantastic segue to um, suicide and euthanasia, because I, I struggled with that issue when I was a Christian in that, you know, think about your humanly life. It's what, you know, 80, 90, 100 years tops. It's going to be filled with ups and downs, but you could, you could have the most amazing human life waiting for you the next multiple decades, but all of that will be completely and utterly a blip not even a blip, it'll be meaningless against the backdrop of living in eternal life in heaven with the creator of the universe per the theology. So to me, it's logical to wanna to get out of this potentially horrific human life as soon as possible and get to the right hand of the father as quickly as possible. So you know, I, the only way you can stop people from killing themselves in mass is to say that God doesn't want you to kill yourself. Yeah, it's awesome up here, but you got to wait your turn, live your life out. Even if it's a horrible life filled with cancer and loss and war and chaos, just grit your teeth and bear it. You'll get here eventually, you know, but if I have the choice to get there by offing myself, why, why would you never do that to get there as soon as possible? I mean, I could, I could die in a horrible fire. I have no idea how I'm going to die in the future. Why not get out of it, you know, painlessly and get to the, get to the best part of my existence. that's going to last forever. So yes, I do want to transition to that. <clears throat> and um, yes, um, yeah, you said a lot of a lot of stuff that I wanted to say. So this is going to be a shorter <laughs> segment than, um, nice. than I had planned for it. <laughs> but um, Bri yes. Brian, the preemptor—that's who I am. This is this is why I call Christianity a denial of death cult uh, because it is a denial of death cult, and it's. It's, you know, the entire premise, the entire bad news of Christianity, because you can't have the good news without the bad news, the entire bad news of Christianity is that you are going to uh, end up spending eternity in some awful state. And here is the alternative. And I can and I can help you achieve that. This is this is. Um, kind of religion writ large, but uh, it's it's especially the message of Christianity. And so we're not going to die. So if you think that this life is just going to end when you die, you are wrong, sir. And you are going to have to give an account of everything that you have done. And you're going to have to pay for it in the worst kind of way unless uh, someone pays the price for you. Um, Right then. So 
it absolutely makes sense to move on to that happier state in that better place as soon as you are right with God. You know, you get right with God, you're baptized, you should be baptized with a, with a knife in your hand and cut your throat as soon as you're out of the water. <laughs> because uh, because that's a, that's a straight ticket to hell, uh, heaven. And the only reason that doesn't happen is because of the built-in uh, function that says, if you kill yourself for some bad reason, then you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to the other place. And so what, what you will end up doing is speeding your way to the other place <laughs> instead of uh, to heaven. I find it all uh, very manipulative, uh, very gross. Uh, and the idea that someone who is a believer, who is assured of their place in heaven, but the idea that they have to stay here on earth through whatever ungodly suffering they're going through. Uh, and they can't, they can't do anything to, to end their life sooner. You know, my conversation with uh, Teddy uh, last week, uh, she does not believe in taking measures that would kill yourself. You know, palliative care for her is just trying to relieve the pain. But if you were to go to a doctor and say, I want palliative care because I want to die. I want to die this week as opposed to live for, for another month, that that person shouldn't have a right to it. And this is the this is the attitude of Christians. You can't stop your suffering. Only God can, because God put you through that suffering for a reason. He made you weak for a reason, and in your weakness, He is strong. And so you, you gotta you gotta just deal with it. I find this to be one of the per, most pernicious, one of the most obscene teachings uh, of of any religion. Yeah, they, they have to elevate suffering to some kind of, uh, you know, earning your stripes, right? It's, it's, it's a positive, you know, that you're be tough, you know, tough it out. Uh, because well, Teddy, otherwise, Teddy will say that directly too. Uh, yeah. In, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to pick on Teddy, but I'm, I, you know, sometimes I can't know exactly what the Christian thinks. And so I'm careful about restating their opinion. Teddy is very clear <laughs> about her opinions. And I, I appreciate that uh, for her clarity. But, you know, when you ask her a question like, uh, why, you know, when God created us, did he not just uh, have the tree of life? Why have the tree of knowledge of good and evil or otherwise the tree of death? Why did he have to have that tree there? Why did he have to have a, a serpent to come and tempt them to do the wrong thing? Because it seems like they were content to do the right thing if it wasn't for the serpent. And Teddy's answer to that is always, well, you can't, then it would have been too easy. I know. It's, <laughs> and it's I'm, I think, what's wrong with it being too easy? Why, what, why do we have to play the game and go through the suffering? What, what benefit is the suffering? Right. To me, suffering is, you know, from an entirely naturalistic perspective, Suffering is unavoidable because of the physical nature of the world we live in, right? You know, I, I suffer through my workout every week because I'm trying to be healthy and lose weight or what have you, right? But if I could work out and not feel like my muscles were burning and my head was aching and I was completely out of breath, I would do that kind of working out every, every day I could. 
but I endure the suffering because I want the result. How does that make sense in a world where there's an all-powerful being that wants something? He, he, there's, there's no reason to suffer through. He can get it. He can get anything he wants, any way, any time, uh, with, with whatever level of, of or lack thereof of suffering he wants. So um, whether, rather than uh, respond to Andrew's direct comment uh, there, I will just I will just drop a little nugget of personal knowledge. Andrew runs uh, four miles a day. Um, I have I have been and I'm often on the phone with him when he's running and it's painful. Um, I get I get exhausted. <laughs> I'm on the other end of the phone. I've been trying to tell him for years that he could end his suffering by just not running four miles a day. Um, that's that's better. You see, I don't run four miles a day, and I don't suffer from that. <laughs> so, um, um, that's um, that's so. I will I will give you the same advice as I uh, give Andrew. You could you could reduce your workout suffering by not working out. <laughs> but then I'm just inserting another kind of suffering, which is I'm wheezing going up the stairs. See, it's, un it's an unavoidable trade-off. Right. You you've chosen the wrong trade-off, my friend. Just stop it. <laughs> just, so, just stop it. When you, when you grow up and get old, just get your knees replaced, uh, you know, and, and, and get on with your life. Stop it. <laughs> I, you, you, you've, you've converted me. I'm going, I'm going to breathlessly amble my way to Taco Bell and eat myself into oblivion. Well, you know, Taco Bell is actually one of the better choices for eating yourself into oblivion. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good way to go. Death by Cholito. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think this is part and uh, parcel, and I'm not going to stay on this issue for very long, but I would say that the um, suicide euthanasia discussion, I think it is very much directly related to the whole value of life discussion that we started with. And once again, it's, you know, we have, um, let's, let's set aside outliers for a moment because outliers are a way to explode the conversation and, and not, not deal with it. So there are all kinds of outliers for suicide and euthanasia. You know, maybe someone, uh, is, uh, is mentally ill and someone has talked to them into killing themselves. You know, that's possible. You know, they've, they've manipulated uh, them. They've lied to them. They said, you know, if you kill yourself, then uh, you'll you'll go up as a ball of light and join the uh, forever uh, people on the Hellbop Comet. Um, and, and maybe they believe that. And they, you know, that's a, that's a terrible thing. I don't think a person should uh, kill themselves for that. But I also think of that as an outlier um, situation. So what what the christian wants us to believe and uh, really what the opponents of euthanasia want us to believe and uh, it's not just a christian non-christian thing uh, i want to make that clear i'm aware of that uh, but what they what they want us to believe is that life has an intrinsic value that is so high that anyone who owns a part of this life should not be allowed to discard it frivolously because it is so important and and it's important not just for the people who have it but it's important for the people who uh, uh, who are around them it's important for everybody that this valuable resource 
is is not uh, burned away frivolously. Now, because I do not believe that life has intrinsic value and that the value uh, belongs only to the person who owns the life, I think that it is just fine for people to frivolously off themselves if they want to. Now, I don't want to see that. I would like to. Uh, I would like to be able to convince people that life is worthwhile and that they should value theirs higher. But at the end of the day, I don't control their life, and I'm not the one who places the value on their life. Uh, you place the value on your life. Um, I don't place the value on your life. But for the Christian, it's intrinsically valuable, and we as a society have a right to control this precious resource with infinite intrinsic value so as we we don't have to let we can't let people just abuse it if if you see what i mean it would be kind of like if uh, if there was a cure for cancer um and everyone got their their vial of cure and some people rather than taking their cure they just burned it uh for the sake of making getting youtube hits people would be incensed over that. They would be uh, offended greatly because this this thing has great intrinsic value that they're just snuffing out. And I think this this is how Christians view life. This, this is a thing that doesn't fully belong to you. It's so important that while you get to use it, you don't get to abuse it, and we're not going to let you. Uh, whereas I would say, yeah, it, it, this is yours. I do think it's important, but it's yours, and you can abuse it if you want to. Thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I like that analogy, but I think it I think there's one place it gets dicey. Um, choosing to not take the vial to cure your cancer is completely uh, your choice, and I have no problem with you deciding not to. But if the if the resource is finite and you take your dose and you throw it away, and now someone else couldn't use it that otherwise would have, I, I would find that horrific. Yeah, well, it's horrific, but it's theirs. So if if what you're saying is, <clears throat> I will give you this thing uh, in your care, but you have to use it in the following ways, and then they and then they use it in a different way, then they would be subject to the the penalty for breaking those rules. But that's right. not what life is. That's what it is for the Christian, but that's not actually what life is. Um, so my life, and by the way, people, I'm going to say some things that might scare you. I am not in the least bit suicidal. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm enjoying the ride. Uh, I plan to ride it out for a while longer. So, um, but my life is mine. And let's say you, Brian, uh, as a human being value my life. Let's say that you, let's say that I give you some degree of valuable that's important to you. And if I treat my life frivolously and take it frivolously, you would be harmed by that. And I, I can take that under advisement. But I got to tell you, Brian, as much as I like you, uh, I like my life more. And if I want to, and I like my agency more, and if, if I want to end my life for no better reason than I am tired of the, the turmoil and strife of humanity, 
I just don't want to take it anymore. And so I, I would rather not exist. So I'm going to snap my fingers and not exist. Or I'm going to go to bed tonight and just not wake up. There's, there's no suffering to me, and that's my choice. And you don't get to tell me that I can't do it. You can tell me that you would rather I didn't do it. You, you can make an appeal to me, but at the end of the day, uh, if that's what's important to me, if, if getting out of this turmoil and strife is important to me, I should be able to do that. Because at the end of the day, my life is mine. And you shouldn't get too bent out of shape over me using things that are mine. Yeah, I, I, from, from, a, from a personal agency and autonomy, which was something that came up a lot in that show when you guys did it, perspective, I would 100% agree with you. Uh, but I, so I would say I, I have no authority over you to tell you to not take your own life. But I believe I have, you know, as a, as a fellow human being, I have the right to offer advice, to, to criticize your choice. What, what if you had young children that had no other way of being supported? Uh, except for you continuing to live and support them. You know, I think I should have a right to point that out to you and to criticize for the harm that you're causing them. Um, so I, I, I think that it's complicated and it all boils back to what we talked about early, which is what matters in these conversations and in these decisions are what is the context, what are, what's the situation, what are the relationships, and what are the details? You know, I would think much differently of someone that off themselves that was, you know, single, alone, uh, who no one counted on for financial or other support, and someone who off themselves with, you know, 10 kids and a wife who's got no discernible working skills. You know, I would, I would, I would consider those situations very, very different. Uh, but in neither situation would I deem that I personally have authority to tell them what to do and not to do with their life. Right. And so this, the sub, the matter of euthanasia assisted suicide comes in, and that, you know, I, while I want to leave this world, I don't want to do it by gun. Because uh, let's say I, I think that uh, procuring a gun would only bolster the gun industry. And I'm very much against the gun industry. So I, I wouldn't want to kill myself that way. Um, and let's say that there is an effective <clears throat> and painless way that uh, you can get through uh, medical assistance. I would want that. Now, why why should I be denied that? So for me, this argument is the exact same argument as the abortion argument, which is what makes this uh, a good segue and also probably a good place to end it. I'll give you the last word. It is it is exactly the same issue as the abortion argument because at the whether you think that a woman should get that uh, baby aborted or not is irrelevant because she has the final, she is the final court of arbitration when it comes to her bodily autonomy. And we have decided as a culture, thankfully Christians, uh, fundamentalist Christians have lost this battle. We have decided as a culture that we don't want her to, to do back alley clothes hanger abortions. We, we allow her to get that abortion with the assistance of a physician. I see no reason 
why a person who has decided uh, in, in, with their own sound mind that they want to exit this earth, that they cannot have the same right. You can have the last word on that. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Uh, where I have sympathy with where Teddy was coming from is that you know when you're talking about the law and you're talking about societies with governments, they have incentives to not have all of their citizens offing themselves willy-nilly. So I can completely sympathize and understand why you wouldn't want it to be uh, for the, you know, the government to sanction super easy suicide for everybody. Just give everybody a, a pill. They have a, a jar of them, uh, you know, on their kitchen counter uh, and, you know, off you go, you know, just just, you know, go berserk. You know, I, 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 I don't think that that's in the interest of society for the reasons I had said before, which is, you know, humans aren't islands. They are relational creatures that have effects on other people. Uh, and I don't think that the government should uh, be encouraging and making it super easy for people to off themselves uh, all around the country, uh, because that would not serve the interests of society and government. That being said, I agree with you that each individual should have that autonomy, uh, but it should be something that's done with informed consent and not undertaken lightly. Uh, and if there are um, you know, good medical reasons for it, then then the medical profession should be able to uh, facilitate that in a uh, dignified and uh, as pain-free uh, method as possible. Right. If we can eliminate back alley abortions, we should be able to eliminate back alley euthanasias. Um, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't want people to kill themselves in, in that way. We should, we should right. want the, the best situation for them. But it, it chills me a little bit to hear Teddy say, well, they can just, they can just shoot themselves. What she's saying is, they could, you just take a clothes hanger to it if that's what you're going to do. Um, it, it chills me in exactly the same way. So, um, very quickly with these, <clears throat> with these last ones, um, let's see if we can push them all together: uh, war, self-defense, and the death penalty. Uh, so, these are all areas where a person is asked to perform judgment, lethal judgment on another person. So war is that, you know, we have judged that the only way to stop this country from doing X is to kill a bunch of people. Um, self-defense, uh, lethal self-defense is a way of saying, well, the only way I can stop this person from hurting me or someone I love is to exercise uh, lethal judgment here. And uh, the death penalty is a way of saying the only way we can uh, be, you know, treat society fairly is to exercise uh, lethal judgment on this person. So they, these are all kind of of a of a piece, uh, although there's some slight uh, differences there. Uh, I have said in the past, I, I am not a dove. I am in favor of just war, even though very reluctantly, I, I'm disgusted with myself for it. Um, I am in favor of the death penalty with the same caveat. Um, I'm, I'm disgusted with myself for it. Uh, and I am in favor of lethal self-defense. And for that, I am not disgusted <laughs> with myself. I, um, I think that's actually a, a good thing. Uh, and I think that more people should should be um, trained to do better um, self-defense. So that said, um, 
Yeah, let me just take the next step. Why am I why am I ashamed of these things? Why do I why do I wish that it could be otherwise? Uh, self defense, not self defense. I'm sorry. The death penalty is a thing that we have because our justice system is screwed. We don't have a justice system at all. What we have is a punishment system. We have a revenge system. I don't I don't think that we have anything like a rehabilitation system. Uh, or something that would uh, be a way of having damaged people live out their best humanity system. So in the current system we have, I would rather see certain type offenders put to death than uh, have all of their agency removed and treated like an animal uh, being tortured in a cage uh, for extended periods of time. Because there are things that are worse than death. And I think that uh, life time, for instance, in prison is worse than death. So this is this is why I reluctantly um, approve the death penalty. It's because we are such animals right now. Uh, and I, I think that we have to go through some cycles of social evolution before we uh, do better. War is a very similar thing. I don't I, I don't ever want to see war. Why, why are we fighting over war? Is it land? Are we still trying to get land? Is it food? Are we fighting over food? It doesn't seem like it. So much of the war is over religion and I, I, ideology. ideology. I, I, don't, I don't like it. And yet there are, there are places where tyrants are tyranting and where they are uh, causing the maximal amount of misery that a human, a human can cause the maximum number of people. And sometimes the only way to stop a, a, a place from doing that is to go in and kill a bunch of them. And I wish there was another way. But because humans are animals, that's the only thing left to us. And so we have to do it. And I think that we would be more wrong by not engaging in war uh, when it's called for than engaging in war. It's a tough call. Uh, so anyway, those, uh, oh, in self-defense, yeah, I think that if you value your life the same way I value my life, and if you value your family's life the same way as I life, my, uh, my family's life, then their life uh, as, a as a unit of value is much higher than the life of anyone trying to take it, trying to harm it. And so you have given up your right to life You've given up your right to another breath the moment you have entered my house uninvited with the intent to do harm. I'm not going to stop and negotiate what kind of harm you're going to do. I am going to kill you as fast as possible. There will, there will not be any time for negotiation. And I will sleep well that night. Uh, so you, you, Brian. Yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, on self-defense, I think that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, it, how could you have any way of knowing whether, you know, if someone breaks into your house and they try to negotiate or they try to say, no, 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 I'm not here for lethal reasons. I mean, you're just asking to be duped and to be, you know, have your throat slit, you know, and get it all over your own personal comforter. Uh, so I, I think self-defense is a no-brainer, easily uh, justified, uh, and both logically, philosophically, et cetera. Uh, I think war and the death penalty get murkier, um, but uh, you know, in in covering those topics, I would certainly want to um, you know do it with as many facts uh, and as many um, confirmed um, things on the table and try to eliminate uh, as many you know unconfirmed 
uh, and and not true things, you know. So you know, going to war because God says so. I mean, unless you can produce the you know the war declaration on parchment from the deity, that, that doesn't interest me at all, right? But uh, you know, going to war to defend oneself as your country's being invaded, or if you're trying to uh, prevent genocide in another country or something like that, you know, I, I think obviously if you're if you're um, having those conversations uh, and debates on um you know on on the basis of 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 what we know. Uh, the facts on the ground of the situation, then I think you're more likely to get uh, to the right answer. But, you know, I acknowledge, you know, I'm no expert in the law in this respect. I'm no expert in war. Uh, so, you know, I would certainly be open to, you know, discussion and debate about what is just or not just in certain situations. Uh, I just wouldn't want to inject any um, superfluous layering of, you know, ideological or theological uh, constructs on there that would just murky the waters. Yeah, well, so to murky the waters, I think I think uh, part of it is a very Christian idea, which is uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, right. And this is this is one of those areas where I would point to and say, yeah, we say that humans we value humans equally, but it's just not true. Uh, if it's our family, we love our family enough to uh, stand up and stand between our family and the entity or entities that's trying to harm them even at loss of our own life uh we're just not going to stand idly by and let that harm come to our families right and yet when it's some other nation full of oh say colored people in uh, some other uh shithole country uh that we don't really care about uh those people can die by the millions because those are those people. It's not like it's not like they're our family. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't I don't think that that is a particularly moral stance. Yeah, no, I I would agree, and 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 it just shows how complicated. Uh, and you know, it, you kind of go round and round in circles when you're trying to incorporate these things that don't they cashed out uh, logically. So um, yeah, one other one other piece from me, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I um, so we're trying to understand the the Christian position on this, and I, again, I I want to be fair because I've got a lot of uh, emotional energy wrapped up in this too. But I want to you know I don't like thinking of the other side as just you know a bunch of monsters. Um, what? Well. Um, <laughs> I read you chat room. Um, I don't, <laughs> I, I am having so much trouble uh, putting the Christian perspective into a, a charitable light. Um, they want us to care about the Bible on the one hand, on one hand, they, they want us to care and they make arguments about their God that can only come from the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, questions of should we uh, engage in war uh, seems to be an open and shut case because the God of the Bible loved war. He was, he was proud of his arrows being drunk with blood. So um, that doesn't that doesn't seem to uh be against god's idea and i can't i can't think of too many things that god didn't go to war for 
I mean, he, he went to war for things that I uh, would not think are justified. You know, he, he gives his people a, a land that he promised them. But if you, if you think about this for a moment, the land was already occupied. <laughs> there, were, there were already people on it uh, who owned the land. But the Christian would say, no, God owns the land. And if he wants to kick you off, he'll kick you off. <laughs> Um, there aren't too many cases in the Bible where I would consider it was a just war at all. It's the war of a a crazy person. Um, so I don't, I don't know how you defend God, even if you are a hawk when it comes to war. Uh, the God of the Bible is not a hawk. He's a demon. Um, and the same thing goes for the death penalty. Uh, I, you know, when I was a Christian, I said very clearly, yes, of course I'm in favor of the death penalty. God established the death penalty. How could it be bad? Um, but if you look at the things that God um, wanted the death penalty for, they are they are monstrous. And in in fact, I, I I encourage you to try to think of three things in the Bible that the death penalty was for. The, the, think of three things that uh, the death penalty was for in the Bible that you would approve of as a death penalty thing today. Go, go for it. Um, I think I think you'll have trouble with it, and I can easily think of things that the death penalty was used for that were that are not justified. Adultery. Adultery. What, what kind of puritanical nonsense is it that adultery, well, maybe gross, I don't know, that, that that's a death penalty offense? This is, the intu- this is the moral intuition of the Christian God. I don't understand how the Christian supports it, and, I, and when they don't support it, I don't understand how they don't support it. I don't understand what they are arguing with regard to these types of things. Um, I'm just, I'm at a loss. It seems utterly absurd to cite God when you are talking about things like war and the death penalty, because you are, all you're citing is an evil God at that point. And, and you know it, and everybody else knows it, because you don't actually believe that the things that people were killed for back then, for lying about the amount that they contributed in a collection. De- death penalty? Really? Anyway, um, I have no charity for the Christian position here, and I'm, I'm needing you to do better. I that think, is uh, you, Brian. I, think, I need you to do better. Yes. I need you to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to do better. This is actually, this is a great uh, prompting to bring up one of the largest topics that occurred on the boards throughout this entire series, which is um, different ways of interpreting the Bible. Right. I mean, so think about both early in the shows, David Russell said that the Bible is clear. The Bible is a clear message from God. And then all week, all month on the sh- on the boards, Peter and I have been arguing about the Bible and how clear and easy it is to understand. David and Peter are both Christian, and they come to vastly 
different conclusions about what the Bible is clearly saying. That's all you need to know to know that the Bible is a terrible place to go for wisdom on the topic of killing or anything else. We have no idea what it's trying to say because people with the same presuppositions about it are coming to vastly different conclusions. There's no consensus being derived. And that's before you get to the point that I don't think there was a deity in the first place influencing this book. So I would not put it on a pedestal. I would not grant it priority in my moral, ethical, uh, or philosophical um, analyses that I do. So uh, you know, I, I, think, I think your lack of charity toward that position is warranted, but not just because of the specific way you're interpreting the text, but because we don't, we're not even sure if we're doing that right. And no one can tell us what the right way is. So just put the thing aside. How, what am I missing in my analyses of, of, of life and death by ignoring this book? I really think I'm missing absolutely nothing and I can go forward without it. And that's where I am. And that's where I landed after having been a Christian for you know almost 30 years of my life. I really need a Christian to comment on um, this section because I, uh, it is with a sincere effort that I, uh, that I come to this conclusion that I can't, not only can I not steal man a Christian argument, I don't even understand what it is. And I don't know to what degree I'm, or in what way I'm supposed to use the Bible to come up with ethical conclusions about things like war and uh, the death penalty. Uh, so I would, I would love to see some clarification uh, from someone on the board. I will, I will feature your posts and pin it at the top of the comments uh, if, uh, if you send one in. And speaking of the comments, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Just log into your Discuss account and comment like these four people uh, did that uh, we're going to just briefly talk about. Uh, and this, don't worry, I'm going to, I'm going to, Eliminate the closing comments too. So these these comments will be our uh, last segment in our close. Uh, Brian, won't you read uh, the first comment that you picked out? Sure. So I grabbed one uh, that was early on from uh, Tyler, Tyler B. And he says, uh, no one will be in charge of deciding who gets liberty. The decision-making is dispersed to the individual level. If banning abortion will make little or no difference to the level of abortions taking place, what is the point to banning it? Like prohibition, there would be likely negative unintended consequences, in my humble opinion. Perhaps use a morning after pill would actually increase it. Interesting that the United States has a relatively high abortion rate by glo uh, global standards, much higher than Europe. Uh, he posts a link. It seems many American Christians are having abortions, which would likely continue if abortion was banned. And I agree with Darren's point that if you believe in heaven and hell, then abortion is quite logical. Why take the risk of being born and potentially becoming an atheist, LGBT, murderer, or any of the three? Uh, Long-term thinking combined with risk analysis is supportive of abortion. And as uh, David Johnson pointed out, the Bible explicitly gives instructions on how to abort. The Christian God does not seem to be fine with the practice in some circumstances. Read your Bible, all caps. I believe you did use the phrase made in God's image several times, including early on. I believe he was talking about Teddy. As for your other points, one of the goals of secular humanism is to minimize suffering. A fetus that has never had any consciousness, sentience, cannot suffer. Therefore, its suffering cannot be reduced by human action. Clearly, a potential slave or any other group of post-birth human is in a completely different situation. 
So there is no slippery slope, slope from abortion to other things as you suggest. Put another way, full human rights kick in permanently once consciousness sentience emerges. I thought that was a nice encapsulation of the, the particular topic. Yeah, in fact, I did too so much that I, I have no comment uh, to make. I just, yeah. uh, I enjoyed the post and I wanted it uh, read out loud. Uh, much like the next one, I think it's from Sarah. Is Sarah the next one? Yes, Sarah is the next one. And I so this is a read. this is a long one. Feel free to to truncate if uh, if if you can get the yeah, yeah. the idea out of it uh, from it. I just I just want to say this this post. The moment I read it, uh, yeah. it immediately moved up uh, in my mind as the comment of the series. Um, I I didn't think that there would be a better comment after it. Uh, there wasn't a better comment before it. And the series being over, I still agree. So um, give us a flavor of the comment of the yeah. series. Yeah, I'll, I will read it verbatim until the, to, until the end of the list, because I think, I think this captures what she's trying to say. Uh, so she was watching a video that was posted. Uh, uh, Randall Rouser was doing a debate on, does the Bible say what it says? I enjoyed uh, that one. Was, oh, it was excellent. <laughs> I, was, I, was I, liked... I, would, I would love to do a show just about that. And in fact, uh, I probably will. Listen in the summer, folks. That's my off season. Yeah, I, I still do shows in the off season. That's va vacation, David. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Sarah says, I watched a bit of that video. She seemed to suggest that thinking long and hard and carefully about these passages will help. Well, yeah, okay. But none of you can agree what they mean when you've all sat there and thought long and hard about it. William Lake Craig says, they had it coming. Numbers are over and over exaggeration and hyperbole. Nippers move to paradise. All's okay. Thomas J. Ord would say, God's not strong enough to prevent these things. Rob Bell would say, ancient people understanding of, uh, understanding of the divine, not true reflections of God. They were wrong. Put your Jesus glasses on. Randall Rouser says, think about it. Genocide doesn't really need genocide. Put the Jesus glasses on. Dale says, God has Molinistic reasons. It's, liter it's literal, true, and furthermore, right and good. Trump-loving Christians would say, hell yeah. Well, it was probably one of those shithole countries anyway. What's the problem? Let's go bomb them now. And then she summarizes by saying, apologetics is the art of telling you what you've read with your own lying eyes means something completely different. <laughs> I, I, I concur with you. What, what an absolute exclamation point on the yeah. series. That's a great comment. Who, who has the trophy? Uh, do, do you have the trophy? Uh, Sarah, there no. will be a trophy um, as soon as we find out who's, re who's responsible for it. Yeah, let, let, let me know, let me know where to ship that across the across the pond, because <laughs> that was I mean, that was a, that was a home run post. And it, 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 I think it just it dovetails with exactly what we were just talking about, which is, you know, the Bible is a complete cipher. It can be whatever anyone wants it to be. And so, you know, so don't go telling me you've got the right way when all you're telling me is this is my way. It's an opinion and I can't back it up. Yep. Let's uh, let's hear the next one. So the next one is by um, the uh, misspelled Brian, Brian with an I. You mean your alter ego, right? Yes, okay, go ahead. The, the velvet glove wearing puncher, <laughs> Brian I, yeah. So he says, uh, hi, David. See, look at that. He's already starting cordially. Hi, David. The concept of the perfect and all loving God taking lives before their natural death in old age has always been a challenge for me to understand, a challenge that I've not been able to reconcile. Some say that since God isn't human, that God isn't bound by human laws, and I can accept that. Some say that since God gave the human's life, then God can take it back, and I can accept that God, if there is a God, has that power. However, if I love, one means wanting what is best for the loved one and working to achieve it, 
then how is it taking their lives early and active doing what is best for them? How is it harming, damaging, killing someone better than the individual than not? It would certainly seem to me that miscarriages would fall into the category of harming, killing the unborn victim. Now, some say that one of God's goals is to maximize the number of saved people in that perhaps the harming, damaging, killing of certain individuals is the unwanted but needed way to achieve this greater goal. But that would still seem to conflict with God wanting and working with what is best for the individuals who die early. Now, some might say that God is not all loving, but rather loving only to the elect. But that seems to run counter to the concept of God being that which nothing greater can be conceived. As it seems to me that an all loving God is greater than a God who has limited love. Uh, just sharing how some of these things can challenge me, Brian. Now, now the reason I picked this comment to look at, David, is it's, it was just great to see. I think that Brian's a Christian or at least a, a, an agnostic Christian of some kind. Uh, but do it was not. great. It, he, I, I, no, he's he's no? not an he's not an atheist either. But I think right. agnostic is, I think agnostic with with non hostile views toward faith is a yeah. is a better way to think of it. I, Christian, no way. He uh, if he's a Christian, I'm I'm going to take away his Christian card myself because he says to me <laughs> things that are not Christian. <laughs> But the, uh, the, the so you know, not not hardcore atheistic, I guess would would that no. make more sense? But but to see him wrestle out loud with the contradictions, like that, I, I just had to I had to put that down in black and white and read it on the show because it those those are the issues. You know, he jumps from one paragraph to saying I can accept this, but then he tells us exactly why he shouldn't accept this in the next paragraph, right? So the, the contradictions right. are real. And this is also his way of beating me with my own words and philosophy. Um, so uh, it's a subtle thing. Uh, I believe, you know, I, I base a lot of my moral foundation on uh, social benefit and social harm. Um, and so he, when he talks to me about these things, he's, uh, he is careful to f put it in terms of, so does that create, um, would it create more harm to do this? than that. Um, and there are plenty of ways where I can get tied up uh, with indecision. Uh, and so that type of argument is kind of my kryptonite. And he and he knows it. Uh, he knows I can't answer these things uh, very easily. So um, those of you who think of uh, by the way, that Brian, uh, the good Brian, that um, <laughs> that he's very soft spoken uh, and, you know, maybe has a high pitched nasally voice, um, you know, slow of speech. I have heard Brian's voice. It is a thundering, uh, commanding voice. It will shake you to the core. This is not a nice man. He's, he's, no, he's got this, he's got the big he carries the big stick david he, he frightens me um if you if i can ever get him to speak up on a podcast you will you will be as uh surprised as when you heard uh mr rogers i'm sorry that is um uh asmr uh derek so um yeah, he's um, he's. I suspect that if he ever spoke 
some of the things that he writes, uh, it would hit with even more force uh, than what it what it comes across. Uh, so now that I've heard his voice, I can't unhear it. Um, and uh, so there it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah. So Brian, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that. I'm gonna say those are very difficult um, ideas uh, for both atheists and theists. And um, so there you 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 can have all of that. <laughs> uh, what's the last uh, What's the last comment we have? Sure. So the last one is from Teddy. Uh, it's from Teddy responding to Sarah. Oh, she God. says, hi, Sarah. Okay. Maybe <laughs> first of all, okay. It's just, yeah. I, I know this comment. Uh, this was one of the late entries. Um, and it is important that it is read. So I do appreciate that. But I, yeah. um, I would love to have more time to delve into these issues more fully uh, with Teddy sometime. Uh, again, that may be something that if I'm bored during the summer, we might go into, but I will, uh, I will give Teddy her voice uh, here to defend herself. Yeah, I agree with you. So she says, I just addressed the crybaby comment that David completely mischaracterized. David, how dare you? You should go and hear it or rehear it. I am mocking the people who want to kill themselves their way while putting others at risk. They do not have a right to do this. If they must, they can kill themselves via suicide the way many people already do. Yeah, code hanger, stated- code hanger abortions. Yeah. Just yeah, sure. go, go ahead. Anyway, Gra- grab the gun and, and ruin the carpet. Go for it. Uh, I have already stated on the show that I think that should be prosecutorial and judicial discretion for extreme cases that might come up. If there really is a case where a person's pain cannot be managed, then I would agree that this would be a situation where the morphine dose could be kicked up on purpose as the pain is being relieved. But I would probably build into the law some kind of test for pain, like a functional MRI or something, or where it's a certainty that a person who has had a particular disease for X amount of time would be in excruciating pain that would be untreatable. Nobody wants to see unnecessary suffering. You folks clearly are not listening to what I say. Otherwise, you would have heard that. I am talking about the harm of making euthanasia legal because of how it can endanger the lives of people who do not want to live but are being marginalized by society. I'm sorry, who want to live, but who are being marginalized by society, like people with dementia, the young, the very sick, the disabled, the mentally ill, and the frail. I am quite curious if someone can uh, find a reputable medical journal article showing that there are diseases where palliative care cannot control the pain. This is an honest question. From what I read, they can cover the pain, worst case scenario, they put someone in a medically induced coma. If someone would likely have a long time to live in extreme pain and have to stay in a medically induced coma, they would probably be the one of those cases that would be one of those rare exceptions. Okay, two things. (laughs) I'm gonna try to be brief. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) You you mischaracterize her. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I call bullshit and listen to the episode. Uh, but um, that's that's not even what gets me. It's what comes after that, which is then there. There's this long digression into the kind of exceptions she would make, and what uh, the only thing exceptions mean, just as an abortion, is. 
I'm okay with this practice, but I, as the morally intelligent uh, and morally just person, want to be the one to determine for you when it is okay for you to do this. So she wants to see some kind of painometer. And when that painometer reaches a level that she finds sufficient, then she grants her permission for the uh, euthanasia. It's a matter of control for these people. And it is also a matter of control for me. I do not care if my pain reaches the level on the painometer that you approve of. I don't give a shit what you think should be the right level of pain for me to check out. You have zero to say about my health care. Stop it. Stop it. So yeah, I, that's that's the first say, issue. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 that that is what stood out to me about about the um about the comment is you know I believe she's all for you know personal liberty, but then she's happy to inject from her you know uh, Teddy's a lawyer right she's not a medical expert or anything like that but she's completely happy to weigh in on what other people's pain thresholds should be before they could uh, you know, take these measures to, to help ease the suffering. It just, it just rings so tone deaf to me. It, it, and, it, and, it, and it betrays what's going on underneath, right? If, if we were looking at this purely naturalistically, there's no way you would go there. So clearly there's, you know, the, the underlying thing is again, these people are just sad. They're just not tough enough. You know, God puts you here to do a job, so do it. I don't care how tough it is, right? Like that's, those are the undertones that are ringing to me when I hear this. And it just, it just shows how corrupted the analyses become when you start putting these, these unprovable supernatural assumptions uh, overlaid on top. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Uh, I am not going to repeat the question. Um, there's an agitator in the chat room and I'm just going to answer. <laughs> I'm just going to say yes to the, <laughs> to a comment, which, which no one will ever see. Um, <laughs> and, and now he feels like he has won because he has forced me to acknowledge his presence. <laughs> and, which, Andrew, Andrew, I, I've, I've really enjoyed your, your heckling behind the scenes and uh, is, <laughs> it's been, it's been hard to, to, to ignore it while I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. <laughs> his, his, his whole goal, let me just tell you audience was why I've been, been not mentioning him <laughs> is to is to force me to have to acknowledge his presence and uh, and derail the podcast. Okay, congratulations, sir. Um, this you've, you've done you've done the job. Point to you, but the war is not over. <laughs> and so, um, so um, yeah. So the second thing um, that gets me about this let me let me get my mind straight because i've i've just about let the second thing slip um one is that uh she wants to be the one in control oh yes the second thing is if we allow people to exercise their own autonomy with regard to their life and death this would be a harm to other people 
and therefore you shouldn't be allowed to do it because it's going to harm other people in some uh, hard to define psychological way. Now, I just wanted I just want to point out a bit of um, inconsistency here because in her last breath, she said uh, to the effect that you're you should have to suffer pain and that you really should uh you know get get over it or endure it or get um you know you can you can take some morphine but you shouldn't be uh given a lethal dose unless the pain is high enough for her you know for her to approve of it uh so deal with the pain but on the other side of it uh in in by the way she doesn't she doesn't think much of psychological pain but on the other side she's worried that someone committing legal uh suicide or euthanasia will cause another person psychological harm uh this is this is inconsistency to the point where it's it's just impossible to follow but beyond its inconsistency and I, I don't mean this as disrespectfully as it's going to sound. I also don't give a damn about someone else with regard to my life choice. Because this, at the end of the day, is my life. Now, I understand that I am a social creature. <clears throat> In my life, uh, what I do has consequences in a very small way. So if I were to off myself, the people who listen to Skeptics and Seekers might be affected. Heck, they might not even know it because, um, you know, it's not like I would do it on, on purpose. They would just look for the show and not find it. And eventually they would wander off. Some people would just never think about it again. So my impact on the world is somewhat small to begin with. But that is not the thing that will be the ultimate decider in whether I live or die in the next 10 minutes. I will live in the next 10 minutes because I want to and because an asteroid is not going to come falling through my uh, apartment. Um, but if I was in such a condition that I want it to die, I'm not worried about the effect that it will have on you. You do not get to hold me hostage by your emotional state. Your, your sadness is, is not going to manipulate me. And I don't appreciate the attempt at manipulation to say that, well, other people will be affected, so you can't do it. You've got to do what these other people want because otherwise you're a bad person. Well, great. I'm a bad person. I, I own my life. I control my life. I will not let you or your ilk manipulate me into living my life one second more than I want to. Furthermore, I, I simply reject the premise uh, that the type of harm that you're that you're talking about is a real thing. People have been committing them uh, suicide uh, and killing themselves since there's been a civilization. And uh, most people don't see that and say, huh, that looks like a good idea. I think I'll do it, too. Uh, that's not the case. And I think that you would do far more uh, harm to people's psyche 
if you somehow try to physically restrain people from ending their lives, because that would that would uh, make some statements about personal freedom and personal autonomy that I think would rip society apart. So uh, this this attempt to manipulate based on the fact that it will hurt some people's feelings uh, is is bullshit, and I reject it. And it's the same type of ploy that Christians tried to use when it came to gay marriage. You remember the gay marriage argument? Uh, well, you know, we would say, why can't why can't people just do what they want to? It doesn't affect you. But they would say, well, it does affect us. As if somehow gay people getting married watered down the sanctity of marriage itself. You know, we, we they had campaigns like um, uh, def- protecting marriage as if marriage was being assaulted and their marriage would suffer if someone else uh found happiness through marriage that they didn't approve of screw them in that kind of argument if your marriage is diminished by a gay couple getting married then your marriage gets diminished i don't think much of it anyway um so no you don't get to manipulate people by talking about the psychological damage that it's going to have to the fragile uh, uh, psyches and egos of Christians who are used to calling the shots. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that criticism is well laid. Uh, you know, it, what she's doing is it, it really all boils down to a slippery slope argument. And, you know, I find I tend to find those as a category pretty unconvincing. But but I don't think she's demonstrated that the slope is all that slippery. And I also don't think she's demonstrated that the slope necessarily leads from A to B. You know, I, I don't see some giant urgency of worrying that making it legal and easy for people who are in horrible end of life situations to painlessly and dignified uh, end their own lives. I do not see this bright red line to that and us going around handing, handing pills to other people to get them to off themselves and to, and to coerce or, or cajole them into doing that. That seems like a pretty drastic uh, and un, um, you know, unargued uh, slope uh, in the it's, first place. So it's, 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 it's just it's not fake, convincing. It's the, it's the fake consequences that Christians throw up whenever there's uh, something that they don't want to happen. Another example of this, uh, and you can see it happening in real time, is over the legal excuse me, the legalization of marijuana argument. You, yeah. You've heard the same kind of thing. You know, if we allow this to be legalized, this is going to encourage other people to uh, use drugs and there will be more uh, people high and more people, uh, more crimes and so forth. Yeah, whatever. Whatever the, the nightmare scare tactic it is they're using, these things almost never come true. Uh, it, it simply doesn't happen. Because there are situations where, you know, when the laws change, it turns out, oh, you know, that that scary thing that they were trying to uh, to manipulate us with, that doesn't happen. And we've we've seen that too many times. Uh, so don't get fooled by it. Uh, it's 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 not legitimate. All right. I'm tired of uh, yelling next week. We're going to talk about <laughs> sex. Um, I mean, not me and you per se. Uh, Brian, unless you want to be on the show, uh, we're yeah, gonna. I, 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 I didn't think the show was gonna end with the come on. So yeah, I think you need to. Well, clarify. yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> did you did you think the dinner and movie was free? Um, so... It's surf and surf and turf. It's like forty bucks, man. <laughs> I mean, um, 
we're going to talk about sex. We're going to have a, a conversation about human sexuality. It's not going to be one show. It's not going to be a terribly long series. I think there'll be three shows altogether. Uh, have at least one special guest lined up that may or may not happen. We'll see. Uh, we're going to cover, um, as uh, usual, the the theological implications of sexuality, um, sexuality with uh, marriage, uh, adultery. We're going to talk about um, gay, lesbian, uh, uh, LGBT, uh, lesbian, gay, um, LGB, bi, T, trans, Q, queer, and or question mark. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about, um, those issues, and then we're going to have a wrap up on uh, week three. So if there's anyone uh, out there who wants to, uh, talk about sex, uh, we can do that. Uh, I know that at some point uh, in the conversation, we're also going to talk about pornography, uh, sex as entertainment. Uh, and if you have small children, uh, that you want to protect, uh, from, uh, some pretty blue language. Uh, you may choose not to listen to this uh, particular podcast series out loud. Uh, when I do my uh, podcast on YouTube, I do not check the mark that says safe for kids. Uh, I, may, I consider every episode explicit. I know I'm narrowing down my audience, but um, that's that's how I choose to do this. And even though most weeks there's no reason for that kind of labeling, uh, the next few weeks, there will be a reason for that kind of labeling. Um, if you're offended by, you know, words, by references to human anatomy being called what they actually are, uh, you, may, you, you just may not want to listen uh, because we're going to talk about sex like adults for the next three weeks. After that, uh, we have uh, Dale and Val. One week only. Could be five hours, but it's one week only. Um, and it doesn't matter what the topic is. <laughs> I already know it doesn't matter what the topic is. I know what the listenership is like uh, on a Dale and Val show. I know what the user engagement is like. Uh, you guys are going to show up for that. Uh, but you're really going to want to show up because uh, the topic is free will. Um, I can't wait. Uh, so, uh, and after that show, we'll go into the last series. It may be three weeks, maybe four weeks. Uh, it'll be more than two weeks. So probably three weeks. It will be on Satan. It's the one that I've been looking forward to for a while. And when I'm looking forward to a series, you can imagine that there might be something in my mind that I'm cooking up <laughs> that you're not going to want to miss. Um, and so, yeah, the series on Satan, that's going to end the series God of this world. That's, uh, that's what that series will be called. So, um, I think that's all for now. Skeptics and seekers at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on any of those shows, or you can just drop uh, a mention in the comments. I see all of the comments, skeptics and seekers.squarespace.com. Just log into your discuss account and discuss away. Uh, have I missed anything, uh, Brian, or is that, uh, is that, uh, time for a sign off? No, I, I think you covered everything. We'll see you guys on the boards. Okay. Bye.